On this episode, I ruin Kelsey's life with Carly Rae Jepsen. show this is a show called ruin my life a podcast about forcing your friends to like the things you like i'm jason edwards i'm kelsey goldman and this is a very special episode for us mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, now we're not going to talk about drug use or any of the other ills that are affecting our youth today it's not that kind of very special episode it's the kind of we've been doing this for a year now kelsey a whole year did you think we'd make it this far be honest honestly I had my doubts, but if I could do a thing with anyone for a year, it's probably going to be you. Oh, that's so nice. I never had any doubts. I know. Even for a second. You're better than me in every way. I I, I believe in us so hard. I'm surprised it took us this long to do a year's worth of episodes. I figured we'd knock it a whole year in the first week. But no, this this is coming out of exactly a year after our first episode came Almost out. Almost exactly, yeah. That's least, um. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's a year podcast. It's not really anything to like, you know, get too excited about. We're not going to rest on our laurels here, but I think it's worth acknowledging that same. we uh, we we did it. Same. Whatever it is, that's sort of up to you to decide. So, what are we talking about this week, Kelsey? Um, this week we are talking about the music of Miss Carly. Bay Jepsen. Whoa, mm. you flipped the name. I did. Carly Rae Jepsen, our queen. Queen of everything. Songstress to the stars. To the stars? To the stars <laughs> and to the regular folk alike. Okay. So Carly Rae Jepsen, mm-hmm. as you know, we all know this, but let's just run through it just on the off chance someone hasn't heard the good news. Carly Rae Jepsen is a Canadian singer-songwriter born in 1985 in British Columbia, Canada, she studied music in college, and then she graduated, as many people do, mm-hmm. and was just sort of, you know, working at a coffee shop, playing open mic gigs, working on her, uh, you know, with her little acoustic guitar, going around town, until one day, opportunity came a knocking. In the form of Canadian Idol. It's not quite American Idol. It's Canadian Idol. It's Canadian Idol. I think that's their official tagline. Uh, she competed on the 2007 season of the show. And, Ten years ago, wow. Yeah, wow. And she came in third place. Which, which we, we all know is the best place to come in on American place. Idol. You don't get dragged into the, you know, the muckraking and the nastiness of the final showdown. But You, you get, get all, to be successful. Yeah, you get, to, you get all the exposure and you don't get a, tied down with a weird American Idol contract. Although Kelly Clarkson's done pretty good. She was the first one, though. Yeah, Ruben Sutter not done so well. And I can't even name anyone's after that. Did Taylor Hicks win American Idol? Is this true? This is not a question for me. This, anyway, I, I defy anyone to name every winner of American Idol. Who else came in? Uh, I believe Carrie Underwood came in third. And as, I believe Jennifer Hudson also came in third. So they're doing pretty good. Yeah. These three artists all cover different you know, realms of the pop spectrum, but they've all done pretty well for themselves, mm-hmm. I think you'd have to admit. After she was on oh, Canadian... Shit. Sorry. What? Jennifer Hudson came in seventh on American Idol. <laughs> oh my God! Who won that season? Who won that season? Oh, Fantasia. 
In 2008, Carly released her first album, Tug of War. Mm-hmm. It's more in the realm of that sort of folk-influenced acoustic pop style she was pursuing in her pre-Canadian Idol time, and also that she was sort of a, you know, directed towards in her Canadian Idol performances, which, you know, the few of which of it that I've seen. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, you know, I hadn't heard it until we were doing research for this episode, because mm-hmm. it's, you know, it was very much under my radar. A Canadian pop, pop singer's debut song in 2008 was not a thing I was really, I didn't clock it. That makes sense, yeah. But, well, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's a little bland. It's got that sort of, it's like the whoever produced it set the whole studio to that sort of mid-2000s uh, bubblegum pop acoustic song setting mm-hmm. where everything is sort of just like flat and easy and sort of goes down very smooth. There's nothing, I mean, I'm not looking for, you know, rough edges in my pop songs per se, but that particular sound just sort of immediately puts me off. There are some times when Carly Rae's uh, innate goodness shines through. Uh, she was already a pretty strong songwriter at this point. Uh, Tug of War. Tug of War is a great song. The lead single is is a good song. Yeah. It sort of is, is one of the few times that the album sort of breaks away from that sort of the muck and the mire of the uh, mm-hmm. the sound she had sort of found herself trapped in. It's got that catchy Carly Rae stuff with still still hard hitting, you know. Yeah, and I think this it's it's nice to see her background as that sort of singer songwriter type mm-hmm. because she goes for that sense of intimacy and and emotional uh, nakedness and uh, direct connection with the audience, which which serves her well when she moves on to bigger you know more overwhelming songs and like different soundscapes it's good to have that 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 grounding her and that sort of helps her connect with the listener in a way that's uh very effective agreed and also there's a song in this album called uh, money and the ego where she i think references uh the nietzschean concept of the will to power it's possible she was just looking for a rhyme with the word shower, but the will to power is a very unique phrase. I don't think you would really drop accidentally into a song. That, jo- that song's also like got some realness in it. Some real, real shit. Some real shit. It, it's okay to sit down in the shower and just stay there for, for hours. For hours. For hours. <laughs> that is some realness to drop into the middle of your uh, acoustic pop jam. Yeah. So, you know, not a lot came of that album. Uh, Tug of War was reasonably successful, but obviously, you know, I, maybe other people have, I hadn't heard of it. Four years later, everything would change when Carly released a little song called Call Me Maybe. That's right. Which any person alive who is hearing this podcast has certainly heard. You would think. It was the jam of summer 2012. Yeah, it was the, the, the last two months of my senior year of college. It was everything. And it was my only Carly Rae experience pre-meeting Jason. Um, but that song was the soundtrack of the month to the end of college for me. At my, um, my like, we had a big formal dance. We talked about my college prom. We talked about in the Debs episode. Um, we had, we had, like, a formal, and there was dinner and everything. And the DJ decided to start, you know, was playing stuff during dinner. But he decided to start playing... Call me maybe as dinner was being served, and literally everyone got up out of their chairs and onto the dance floor because, like, it was just the song. That's insanely bad DJ. Yeah. 
work yeah. to think you can drop Call Me Maybe at the height of its popularity as people are sitting down to eat. Yeah. No, that, that's not the time for that. It's not. But it was also played four other times that night. Well, okay. So <laughs> this DJ learned from their mistakes yeah. and improved their, their set as time I believe it on. was also the last song of the night. That's appropriate. Yeah. It was a, it's, a, it's not really a, it's odd because it's not really a, like a, like a dance song, jam. But it's not really a song, like, I mean, it's not a song that really inspires dancing. Yeah. It's sort of light and fun and it's got this kind of, I mean, I spent a lot of time like, because I liked it too. Yeah. It took me a while, it took me a while for really, really sort of gets hooks into me, mm-hmm. into my, my brain. But w- once I did, I spent a lot of time thinking, why do I like this so much? Why does everyone like this so much? I think it's just sort of a unique song. It's flirty, but in very sort of like fun, you know, non-intense sort of way. Mm-hmm. It's very casual. It's very like, you know, it speaks to the possibility of of, of new new romance or new experience. Mm-hmm. But only the possibility because like, hey, call me. Maybe. Maybe. You know. And the video's great. Yeah. But I think it's, it's worth pointing out, you know, I'm not the first person to make this observation. Uh, meeting someone, then giving them your phone number and asking them to call, to call you is not crazy. No. But that's part of what makes the song so fun is that she's clearly, clearly overthinking this this moment. Mm-hmm. She's she's us in a way. Yeah, we overthink everything. We yeah, and I don't mean just us, you and me, Kelsey. Although that that's also true. <laughs> so that song came out, and it was assumed by many, uh, at least myself included, that this would be a one-hit wonder situation. Yeah, same, same. I saw. I someone, never expected to hear from Carly again. I saw someone. I saw her perform on American Idol not long after this, her, uh, which I think was one of her follow-up singles, This Kiss, mm-hmm. which is on this album. It's, a, it's on the album Kiss, which is where yeah. Call Me Maybe came from. And it's an okay song, but I remember seeing it and thinking, oh, this is, oh, this is rough to watch. Yeah. It's tough to watch someone's uh, star descending like this. Aww. And then she, the next big thing she had was she was on that song with the Owl City, Good Time. A good time. A garbage song from a terrible she, band. Isn't it? Um, Al said he just a guy in his basement. Yeah, but yeah. he refers to it as a group or an act, so I refer to, I will respect his wishes and refer to it as a band. Fair enough. Um, how did you did you do you have any strong memories about Good Time? No, I actually didn't hear it until after Emotion came out. Really, you never when heard Good Time? I was doing a time? Carly deep dive. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh wow! And I had the Al City, like the first Al City album, like oh, this would be on the second one. Yeah, the one that came out when we were in high school, I think. I, I had the first LCD album on my iTunes, and I will cop to being really into the song Fireflies. It's a fucking good song. Until it got popular, and then I was like, oh, well, you, it's not cool. I don't like it. That was me in college, by the way. I'm trying it's to be not be- cool. I don't like it. Trying to be a better person now. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that's who I was. But I think it's fair to say uh, Good Time is not a good song. No, I, I liked I liked that. It was like an EP. His first thing was like an EP, I think, right? I had, I had something. Um, yeah, no, it's not a good song. And what's most... Uh, I, it drives me nuts that there's like a children's, like a group of children in the background of the song, especially at the end when they do the breakdown and the, they say it's always a good time. There's like a uh, group of children shout it. Then they're, then they're singing over the fade out. That's very weird to me. My, uh, thing, right? my, my, you know, my lovely wife, Sarah Shepard, uh, observed that Alice City sounded like a band for children when Fireflies first came out. It kind of does. And I, I never, I never was on board with that until I heard Good Time and I said, well, there's no way around this. Al City has made the kids' bop version of their own song, <laughs> and then you know I heard a couple like this kiss and tonight I'm getting over you maybe once on the radio mm-hmm. in the next couple years. Other than that, like I thought Carly was pretty much gone mm-hmm. uh, until 
uh, around 2014, well, in 2014, mm -hmm. February 2014, Carly Rae uh, got her big Broadway break, uh, uh, taking on the role of Cinderella in Roger and Hammerstein's Cinderella in mm -hmm. the, the uh, 2013 revival. And uh, I didn't see it. I, I saw it, but not with her. You yeah. saw you saw the show. I saw I saw Cinderella. Yeah. It, was, it was a great revival. Yes, uh, they it was... did a new book. Yeah. All the they put in some other Roger and Hammerstein songs. Really, really good work. Yes. I didn't see it. But you know who did see it? One Sarah Shepherd. One one aforementioned Sarah Shepherd. Hello. <laughs> Do you want to come on mic and talk about Cinderella? So, Sarah, hi. Hi. Welcome back to the podcast, Sarah. Thank you. Do you need a pillow to sit on? You trying to say I'm short or something? I have to sit on a pillow when I sit on that side. <laughs> oh, this is rough to watch. You feel better now, don't you, though? No, it's fine before. Thank you very much. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I shamed you. It's okay. Sarah, you, you, uh, you saw Cinderella starring Carly Rae when it was on Broadway, did you not? Yes. I, I would like to add that I worked on Cinderella. It was like the first Broadway show I ever worked on when I started working, uh, on advertising for Broadway shows. So I saw it probably three times with Laura Osnes, once with Carly Rae, once with Kiki Palmer, and then when it closed, and then with you. So we're at what, like six times? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How was, uh, well, let's, you know, let's get right to it. How was she? How was our girl in the show? Fine. <laughs> and I'm probably being generous. You can be honest. It's okay. Well, it's just like, I really, I really love her, especially now that emotion has happened. But, uh, I mean, she, she, they thought she was going to sell tickets, which I don't think she really did. I think I didn't realize that this was before Emotion came out. Yeah. And she just doesn't have a Broadway voice. She has a pop voice. Mm -hmm. She's like, got a great pop voice. Perfect pop voice. Mm -hmm. Not a good Broadway voice. She also, based on what little I've seen of it, is not the best actress. I think asking her to carry a show is a bit much. Yeah. I think she could be a, a funny sidekick pretty well. Maybe she will be. We'll get to that. But uh, but yeah, she was she was all right. She was very nice. She was game for all the stuff we asked her to do and, and, and all that stuff. She wasn't a hugger like Kiki Palmer. But ooh, Carly Rae Jepsen, not a hugger. You heard it here first. I ruined my life. <laughs> not a hugger. Not a hugger. <laughs> but yeah, she took that foray. But maybe it was her inspiration for emotion. It, mm, very good, Sarah. In fact, I have read statements from Miss Carly Rae Jepsen that implies that, in fact, her time on Cinderella was some sort of an inspiration for emotion. Because after she did Call Me Maybe, it, mm -hmm. as you can imagine, overshadowed everything else she was trying to do on the album Kiss. Mm -hmm. And she sort of got a little burnt out with that. And so she was able to step away for a little while. And she wanted to sort of take a break from the music industry and like and like not come back until she was ready to do her own thing. Mm -hmm. And that break ended up being uh, Cinderella on Broadway. And I even, she once even said like, you know, she was with, she performed with Fran Drescher, mm -hmm. who was in Cinderella when she was in it. And, you know, even pointed out that, you know, seeing Fran Drescher made her realize, oh, Fran Drescher is this great actress, but everyone still, you know, they see her and they think the nanny. Yeah. And there's really like, there's, you can't really do anything about that you just have to sort of you know keep doing your thing you gotta you gotta deal with it yeah you gotta just accept it and keep going mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so she came back in 2015 with a little album called e-mo-shun aka the all-time jam album ever period 24 7 jam after jam after jam forever and ever 
Amen to the end of time. Album of the year. Album of the year. Every year. Every year. Infinity, infinity, infinity. Anyway. <laughs> Forever. It's a good album is what we're saying. It's a, it's a really good album. Do you want to... Well, I mean, I this album was released in, I think, summer of 2015. Okay. And I did not really come to it right away. No. I heard I Really Like You on the radio once mm-hmm. before the album was released. Mm-hmm. And like in, in my extreme arrogance, wrote it off. Because again, I knew Carly Rae as like the Call Me Maybe girl. Yeah. And the girl who was on an Al City song. I didn't, and I heard, I heard, you know, I Really Like You and I thought, this is really silly. I don't know, but this is pretty, this is really silly. This is silly. I mean, I I was like Carly Rae Jepsen, the, the Call Me Maybe girl. I don't, why would I listen to that? <laughs> yeah and so that song i was like eh uh, i now see that it's it's, it's meant to be silly mm-hmm. that's yeah obviously like it's not meant to be taken totally seriously when the chorus is i really 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 like you mm-hmm. uh but then the create the you know critical buzz really built on this album over the period of the next couple months uh extending all the way to griffin mcelroy mm-hmm. who i think we can count as one of our greatest fans Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously. I think we're a huge influence on what he does. Totally. I don't think there's any way to den- deny it. But um, so I sort of like, you know, I, I like to let that creative process go both ways. Mm-hmm. So I heard him talking about Carly Rae Jepsen on uh, My Brother, My Brother and Me. You know, mm-hmm. that's his podcast. I don't yeah. know if you've, it's, yeah. It's, it's, I, I, I know a little bit about it. Yeah. And, and so that was one of the turning points where I was like, <laughs> man, I really got to check this album out. People really like this. Yeah. And I did. And as soon as that opening saxophone like laser light neon solo happens in the opening of uh, Run Away With Me, the first track, I was transported. <laughs> I was lifted out of my body and into a new plane of existence. Yeah, I think with me it was like, Jason, it took me so long to realize that Jason was sincere about his love for Carly Rae Jepsen. I really thought he was being facetious for a very long time. It's worth pointing out I have this problem in many aspects of my life. Yeah, and then I started listening to my brother and my mother and me. And I was, and Griffin kind of has the same thing where I like, can't tell when he's being serious. And I was like, oh, no, wait, they're both being serious about how much they love Carly Rae Jepsen. So I was on, I was going somewhere on a plane and I decided to just listen to the whole emotion uh, album. This is not how I remember it. I texted you from an airport. I remember, I'm, but I remember I gave it to you. You gave it to me? I think you're downplaying my role. Oh, no, you gave it to me, but I didn't listen to it for a while. Yes, because I was... I, this, this, actually, this, in a way, is our actual origin episode. In a way, yes. The 100 is, was, is you know, sort of where our, our name came from. Yeah. Uh, the 100, where, you know, I... And we bonded and during we bonded our watching of it, but, but yes. But emo- Carly Rae Jepsen's emotion is the first time I was like, Kelsey... Here's the thing. I need you to. I need you to listen to this thing. Yeah. And I and I, and I didn't for let, a while. Here's a, here, let's make a Dropbox just for the two of us. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Please listen to this. It took me a while, but when I did listen to it, I was getting on a plane and I texted you from an airport. Um, I probably still have that text actually. And I was like, "Huh, that's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Everything on it is a fucking jam. It's true. I will defend it." I will die on the hill of Carly Rae Jepsen's emotion. <laughs> it's hard to sort of uh, distill down into a few sentences what makes emotion so great. But art- artistically, or like sonically, I guess, mm-hmm. it Carly Rae's uh, songwriting and her sound it sort of evolves into this embracing of the 1980s pop music aesthetic, a lot of heavy synth. But it's also sort of like an idealized version of what the 80s should have sounded like. Mm-hmm. 
Like you wouldn't actually want to make an album that sounded like the actual radio in like 1985. It would be a few good tracks and a bunch of garbage. But this sort of, you know, takes all of that influence and then and, and sort of just strains it down into one pure, potent album. And it's, you know, it's great. There's a lot of uh, synth. There's a lot of, uh, like, this, the song, all that, to me, just sounds like an 80s prom. <laughs> like, I hear all that, and I can see, like, the like the, the, the soft focus lens drifting through the, the beads and the, and the spotlights <laughs> as two people sway back and forth on the dance floor. I mean, I think it's worth saying that, like, Carly is a songwriter. Like, she wrote, she co-wrote every song except one. Nope, nope, she co-wrote every song on the album, which is not always what happens with pop artists. So I think that's worth noting. Absolutely. Yeah, she is a, you know, a, a singer-songwriter first. And that, that, I think that sort of means, uh, not saying that, you know, pop singers who don't write their own material can't be talented or, or worthy of praise or examination, mm-hmm. but it means that there's a sense of continuity with all her, her work because she is, you know, I don't know if she's always the, the lead songwriting voice or mm-hmm. like the, the main voice, but she is always, you know, got a great deal of ownership over like whatever's happening mm-hmm. or maybe authorship's a better word. Yeah. It's all recognizably her. And the one, one of the only criticisms I've really read of emotion is that it doesn't give you much of an idea of who Carly Rae Jepsen is. Like maybe the songs don't have enough personality. Depth. Maybe not just depth. Just like you don't, you don't finish this album with an idea of like who this person. Or their, ju- it's just 12 great pop songs. Yeah. And I, I think, and I, th- and I thought about that for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's more of a feature than a bug. Yeah. To borrow a phrase I actually don't like very much, but it's useful in this scenario. I don't think an album has to, like, I don't think we have to learn anything about Carly to enjoy the album. I also think that the fact that it doesn't feel, that it is such a fun, light, transporting, dance your ass off album says something about her. Like, and that's the vibe she gives off. She gives a very, like, fun, like, I want to go and, like, have a dance party in my kitchen with her like that's what i want to do but when i'm also like sad and suffering from heartbreak i want to talk to her mm-hmm. i know she gets it she'll let me sit down in the shower for hours and hours for hours for hours. hours i think that it's good to have an album that maybe isn't like dominated by your thoughts about the person who made it and their sort of mystique or whatever mm-hmm. because to, to draw sort of like an imperfect comparison sure uh the works of taylor swift uh, a, a, a very a talented you know songwriter and performer in her own right and oh. so also with like a you know yeah. a, a great deal of authorship over her material mm-hmm. but it is you know and this is not really entirely taylor swift's fault that this is the case but you cannot listen to like a taylor swift song and not think about taylor swift the person living these things and having these experiences i think carly's carly's um songs feel more like every man kind of yeah. Woman, well, you know, yeah, they don't feel like they're from her life. They feel like they're just like about a random person she knows, maybe, or like about, you know, just more generic experiences, which I don't think is bad. Right. I think that in 15 years, when I listen to Emotion, because I will be listening to it in 15 years for the rest of my life, I will not be thinking about, you know, what Carly Rae was doing at the time or what the discourse was around her life. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that's not, you know, not all that is Taylor Swift's fault, but, you know, Taylor Swift is a 
A little bit of it. Yeah, is. she's a, she's a, 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 a significant portion. She's an adult woman. She knows what she's doing when she writes songs in a certain <laughs> way. Like, and that's fine. I'm just saying, like, you, when you listen to Taylor Swift, you know, if God willing, you listen to "Look What You Made Me Do" ten years from now. Oh God, I don't know why you would. But you won't be thinking about <laughs> don't listen like, to it now. It's not good. You won't be thinking about like uh, all the all the good times I had listening to this album. And, and like, I like Taylor Swift. <laughs> and all that it like all that it well, meant to me. I like her. <laughs> I, well, you like the old Taylor. I like the old Taylor, but and she's she, dead now. She's dead now. <laughs> Rest in peace, the old Taylor. 1989 is a good album. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Carly. Yeah, but you know, the real I, queen. I, I, the real queen. When you when I listen to Emotion mm-hmm. in the future, I will think about what the songs mean to me yeah. in my life and the time in my life when I discovered this album because it was a good time for me. Well, like when I hear "Run Away with Me," I immediately think of your wedding when it was played, and Sarah was just like, "Kelsey." Get out here and dance now. And it was just like you, me, and Sarah on the dance floor. And that was it. <laughs> yeah. Like that. The, the, this album, like I was really into it like back in October 2015 when like I had, me and Sarah just gotten engaged. Like it was mm-hmm. a very exciting time for me. Mm-hmm. You and I were just becoming friends. And that mm-hmm. was also like, it was very important to me. Like that was a, there was some big changes happening in my life and I felt very good about it. And this album was, is all about like in a, in a, in a sort of, oversimplification of it it's about embracing emotion yeah and like just feeling life and all its you know different shades and colors embracing like positive emotions too which i think music doesn't always do like i think music sometimes really rests on negative emotions and and Mm. songwriters in general like think about you know what they've suffered um and i think that just like embracing that positivity is really nice. Yeah, and that's, that's that's a very good point, especially in pop songs. Uh, in in the modern era, especially, uh, it, a lot of pop songs are positive, but that positivity is usually centered around um, things that aren't super relatable to everyone. Like not everyone, like not everyone loves to go out to the club and yeah. dance. Not everyone even loves to drink. Honestly, yeah. like I mean, I do obviously, but well, uh, maybe not obviously, but I do. Spoiler we alert! Do. Spoiler alert! I drinks. Uh, we're, but like the positivity and emotion, uh, to your point, is just about having a good time and yeah. enjoying yourself. I think positivity sometimes in pop music comes from like forget the haters. Like it's still about like the negativity. <laughs> it's still it's still weaponized positivity. Yeah, <laughs> weaponized positivity. <laughs> I feel like Carly is like a, a, a you know just like a nice positive. I don't know. She reminds me of. To what degree I feel like I have can develop sort of a picture of her as a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, she reminds me of like she makes me think of in high school like there's like a like a like a girl who's like very uh, attractive and, and popular mm-hmm. and everyone loves her. Yeah. And it, and you you maybe like you want to dislike her because she's so popular. Ooh. But you just then, can't. Then you talk to her and she's like the nicest person in the world. You and just you, can't. And you just gotta be like, oh, Carly, you know, yeah. you're you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're okay. Yeah. That maybe says more about me and who I was in high school than about <laughs> Carly Rae Jepsen, but I think it's, the point still stands. No, I think it does. I think it does. And even right. even the you know the sadness on emotion is wonderful and very powerful. Mm-hmm. Your type, the the pre-course of your type, uh, I love you. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I love, love you. you. That's I didn't brilliant. Need to say what I said. That's that's a fantastic songwriting. I just maybe I can't really put into words why that, but why that, I think that's so good. I mean that's. To me, at least, that's super relatable. I think that's just. I have of... said those exact words, not just in the context of before when I was making a joke, but like 
when I've like done something by mistake to like Steph or something, I'd be like, I'm sorry. I love you. I'm sorry. I mean it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's also like the way I hear it is, is both that and also like, I'm sorry that I love you. Yeah. But can't help it. Sorry. I just do. Sorry. <laughs> it's so good. So and I, good. And I think if you listen to like Carly Rose on an episode of the, the podcast Song Exploder. Oh, yeah. Have you ever listened to that? Uh, no, but I know the concept. Yeah. They they take songs like and they talk to the people who made them and they sort of break them down in the process mm. and the meaning behind them. What they talk about? She did one for uh, When I Needed You. Oh, which is Which is, yeah, which is like, you might not think about it like, and I certainly would have thought about this, is actually like had its basis in a very real thing she went through really? and has it like, and like is based in like real, like a sad period in her life when like her relationship, she was invested in was really falling apart. Aww. And, uh, if you listen to, like, you listen to the episode, like you get to hear like the demo where it was like this slow acoustic guitar song. Carly. And then it's like, and it's not like a joyous song now, but it's mm-hmm. more, it's triumphant even in its sadness. Yeah. And the album is, never really let you get too bogged down in negativity even like the one song that could be like the you know like the fuck the haters i'm doing my own thing type song is la hallucinations which is which is kind of like too goofy to really be upset about that's that's when i like really like embraced the album i was on the subway listening to that song and i was like this is a jam (laughs) i mean BuzzFeed buzzards and TMZ crows. BuzzFeed buzzards and TMZ Can't, crows. You know, nobody can can be mad at that. Not no. even not even BuzzFeed or TMZ. Right? Come on, it's Carly. It's, it's Carly. Car- we can't we can't not like Carly. She's so cool. She drove my little sister to the you know to the, the doctor when she was sick. She's yeah, the coolest person. She's the coolest person. Come on, man, just talk to her. She's really cool. And I really Come just on. want like a high school like <laughs> movie that's scored entirely to emotion in which Carly is the main character, or not the main character, but it's like that is a character. Well, um, speaking of Carly Rae Jepsen in high school, <laughs> uh, we, we're killing it with the segues this episode. I know. Um, uh, not long after Emotion came out, mm-hmm. uh, Carly Rae was in the 2016, January 2016 uh, live production on Fox of the, the musical Grease. Correct, yes. As part of that wave of... Uh, Live musical. Whatever is happening right now in the world. In the live musical world. I don't understand what's going on. Like day to day, it's just so hard to get a grasp on what's happening in the world. I I was at work when The Wiz happened. So Grease Live is actually my favorite of the live musicals. Um, But I've heard The Wiz is like the best one. The Wiz is like the only one I've seen. I have not seen all of them, but I've seen most of them. Did you watch Grease Live with us? I did. Okay. But I've not seen all of them. I, I didn't see all of Sound of Music, for oh, example. Okay. Sound of Music was real bad. Yeah, but like Sound of Music and uh, Peter Pan were both sort of so bad it's good TV watching. Yeah, they were on NBC. Ooh. Mm. But <laughs> so was uh, The Wiz, though. Oh, okay. And The Wiz is the one I've seen where I, like, I actually like watched it, and I'd never, seen, I'd never seen The Wiz before. Yeah. But I actually watched it and was like, this is a good show. Yeah. And these people are really talented. Yeah. It's still weird to me that like so many of those shows don't have audiences, live, live audiences. Yeah. I know that was the convention back when these things, these live musicals were first being done. Mm-hmm. But it's weird. Well, I think Grease was the first one to have the live audience. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. Not all the time. I mean, so, yeah, not all the time, but like most of the time. If I remember correctly, there was... They were kind of running all over a Fox lot. Yes. And then all of a sudden, like, Joe Jonas's band was playing... At the prom, at the they prom. were the prom band. Seemingly, as as a, as a group of uh, uh, goth vampire <laughs> rockers, it was the weirdest thing. It was weird. That was a weird part. And there were a lot of like weird close up shots of the band yeah. and the dancers. Um, uh, but it was a fun time. It was a fun time. And uh, most notably, 
I use that expression a lot, don't I? Most, Most notably. notably. That's a meaningless phrase. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to strike that from my, my uh, vocabulary. Maybe just less. Um, but what character did Carly Rae Jepsen play? Frenchie. Frenchie, uh, who uh, her biggest number is sort of being sung to. Yeah. Beauty school dropout. Yeah. Uh, but so because they got such a big name to play yeah. that role. <laughs> they wrote her They a wrote song. her a song. <laughs> so before Beauty School Dropout, Frenchie sings herself a song. Penned by Tom Kitt and Brian Yorkie. Uh, boy. And if you did, man. <laughs> that is not who I would have picked to write a song for Greece. When you want to fit a song <laughs> seamlessly into Greece. <laughs> you picked Tom Kitt and Brian Yorkie. You go to two guys who are known for overt emotionality <laughs> and like musicals about making people cry musicals I mean, about like life and death and madness and, and i mean one suffering. of them did bring it on that's true <laughs> but you know it's it's an odd choice it is an odd choice i don't know who i would have gone to but it would have been them probably like uh the guys who did um like hairspray yeah hairspray um i know their names mark shaman Whitman, Shaman and Whitman. I don't remember. I've only, I've not re-listened to the song since we first heard it on in Greece Live. I listened to it today. How does it hold up? Um, I, well, I just had Carly Rae on like shuffle on a uh, Spotify, and <laughs> I, it started, and I was like, "What is this? <laughs> it sounds like a musical." But I like, and then I like picked up my phone, and I was like, "Oh." Did you really say it like you were a disapproving parent, like trying to shut down, like? Their artsy kid. What? This sounds like a musical. No, like, I was just like, wait, this sounds like a musical, but it doesn't sound like Grease. <laughs> like, and I didn't remember it. And I was like, it's like, it's a pretty good song. You kids aren't down here putting on a musical, are you? <laughs> like, I like the song, but it doesn't fit with the Grease. <laughs> it's an okay song. It, it, it's for her, so it works well with her voice, but it's not great. I'm going to go back upstairs now. If I hear one more peep of this musical. No musicals. <laughs> I remember when we were watching the Grease. I was, we were all sort of like, you know, obviously goofing on it, yeah. clowning on it, as it were. Yeah. But when uh, we were at uh, Sarah's old apartment. Okay. And when that song came on, I very seriously was like, shh, everyone, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> Carly's singing. Carly is singing. And like, hearing her voice on this song just took me back to my feelings about emotion. Yeah. So I sort of enjoyed it on that level. Yeah. And then, uh, Boys to Men popped out and oh, yeah. sang Beauty School Dropout. I forgot that they were the Beauty School Dropout people. That makes sense. If in the future, after Carly has conquered the whole world of pop music and probably folk music and maybe rock music too, like she can go a lot of places. I have faith in her. Um, and she decides to, you know, re-enter the world of musical theater. What would you want her to play? Would it be a role that already exists or a new role being written for her? Either one, both. Hmm. I think she would excel in a drowsy chaperone type role. See, I was thinking pretty much, I don't know if her voice is good enough, but all the roles I came up with her for were Sutton Foster roles. Ooh. Like, Third the Modern Millie, Drowsy Chaperone, uh, Sweet Charity. Like, I kept thinking of them like Sutton Foster's on all of these. Um, anything goes. Although I think she might be better at the Laura Osnes role in that. I don't know if she has the voice to carry some of those. She could definitely do Sweet Charity, and I think she'd be good at it. I think uh, Carly Rae does not, maybe not have a Broadway voice. Her yeah. voice is beautiful. It has a, it has a unique, uh, like, light, airy quality to it that suits her music well. Yeah. And I think it has a lot of range in terms of delivery. Mm -hmm. She can both do, like, you know, those, those big soaring ballads and also yeah. is very good at that sort of, like, you know, coffee shop, acoustic guitar style crooning. And it's got a lot, she has a lot of range in that sense. Yeah. Maybe not so much in, like, the terms of, 
like notes. Notes. <laughs> um, Sweet Charity is like, it's not, the score's not hard. No, like Christina Applegate did it and she's not like. Oh, well, I'm pretty sure Carly Rae can do that. Yeah. Like, but it is like, it's a, an expressive role and I think she could do it really well. I think that'd probably be my top pick. Maybe Adu Annie in Oklahoma. Mm. I'm just a girl who can't say no. Uh, boy, Oklahoma's a fucked up show, huh? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I, there's any role that sort of leaned into her um, sort of affability, her yeah. innate likability, and yeah. like her bright, peppy voice. Yeah. That didn't ask her to do too much dramatically, but sort of, yeah, just sort of, you know, <laughs> maybe had her caught up in like a madcap uh, series of hijinks. Yeah, definitely Sweet Charity, I think. Yeah. I, I don't know if you know anything about Sweet Charity, but I think that's kind of what you're describing. I think you nailed it. Yeah. I think you got it in one. Yeah. Sweet Charity starring... Carly Rae Jepsen. Um, so that happened in January of 2016. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 2016, not a great year. No, not a great year. Not a great year. Not a great year. But halfway through it, uh, Carly Rae saw fit to bless us with more music. It wasn't necessarily new music. Thank you, Carly. Thank you, Carly. <laughs> it was songs recorded during the, the sessions that produced the, the album Emotion, mm-hmm. for which she recorded over 100 songs. Or at least, wow. or at least, like wrote and developed over hundred songs. I don't know how many actually got the full treatment. That's a lot. That's like Michael Jackson numbers, like how Michael Jackson would like that's record hundreds of songs, and like just like cut down every one by like nine or ten. That's a lot. That's 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 intense perfectionism, and mm-hmm. it's it served her very well because even the songs and emotions side B, the twenty sixteen album, mm-hmm. are again bangers front to back. I mean, they're not as good. As emotion, emotion proper, but... Well, obviously, Kelsey, if they were as good, they would be on emotion. But they're still all bangers, pretty much. I like that she, at this point, has leaned so much into the 80s sound mm-hmm. that uh, the opening song begins with the sound of a, a tape being rewound in a tape deck. <laughs> a thing that I am not super familiar with, but I'm at least old enough to, to understand. understand what that is. I, I, I also want to touch on the fact that Carly, Carly Rae is very, is actually, like, our generation like she's 31 she's not like i think a lot of her people see her as like a very young artist as someone who's like maybe somewhere between 18 and 24 but like she's she's very much mid-millennial generation i will admit when i first heard call me maybe i assumed she was like 16 young yeah Yeah. she's younger it's a very um you know it's got it's sort of i don't want to say young sounding it's a youthful sounding song Mm -hmm. but her music is not really youthful sounding except in the most like surface level way mm-hmm. like she's been the target of more than one of those awful thing pieces that get written every few months about how you know women need to you know stop you know acting so young and childish and really embrace mature womanhood most of which fuck those are all that yes fuck that <laughs> but, but most of those are written by women too That's... it makes me so angry Ugh. it's like i think we should just embrace carly as an artist she's amazing and I think, like, her sound is young because people are not, like, more immature, but, like, our lives as, like, you know, in our late 20s, early 30s are not, you know, where our parents' lives were in their late 20s and early 30s. We're, we get a longer sort of, adole- uh, not adolescence, like, young adult phase, I think. There's not this pressure. I mean, there is some pressure, but there's not as as much pressure to be, like, when you're 30 to have a family and be settled down. And I think, you know, we still kind of want to party and Carly, Carly feels that. Yeah. She's, she's 31. She's not ready to, you know, give up, give it all up to be a housewife. Uh-uh. No disrespect to housewives. Perfectly legitimate trade. Um, 
I didn't mean to disparage Housewives. You know what I mean, though. Yeah, I know what you mean. She's not ready to mean. settle down, is yeah. what I was trying to say. No, exactly. And I think that's fine. I mean, I think some people would call that uh, what you described Arrested Development. Uh, I, I would don't not. Think it is. I would not. I think there's there's it's the new normal. It's the new. Oh God. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a perfectly normal phrase, but when I hear the next the new normal, all I can think of is. Justin Bartha and Andrew Randall. Oh, please, please, no. <laughs> oh, no. It's, I'm going back. Oh, no. Uh, there's a lot of songs on here that sort of feel like, sort of maybe like, you know, like basically B sides to the, the songs that were released in the first album. Roses is great. Roses is great. Uh, Cry is great. Body language feels like a slightly less good version of. Uh, of of uh, boy problems. Yep. But mm-hmm. they're all still great songs. They're all like, still great songs. Even her B even level store. songs are. <laughs> that's even what I want to talk about. Store is a great song. I, we need to talk about Store <laughs> because this song is both like, you know, you hear it and you hear the lyrics and you think, this can't be real. Why would she, out of the but hundreds Jason. of songs that she re- chose to record for this album, why was this the one she put on the album? But Jason, pop my headphones on. Get my basket, Trader Joe's, Carly, on my ears, going to the store. You're just going to the, to store, the store, to the store. To the store. You might not see me anymore. anymore. <laughs> I'm going to the I'm store. I'm just going to the store. It is the dumbest conceit for a song. I love it, though. And yet she sells it so well. I think that's the thing about Carly. It's like, I think Carly can sell anything. I think she can sell whatever she wants to sell. I want to, I mean, Carly Rae has a song on uh, Kiss called Your Heart is a Muscle, which <laughs> she sort of plays off in the song as a true metaphor. Fact. But no, it's just a fact. It's, a true fact. it's not even a, a poetic uh, image, it's just a fact. But that song uh, starts off pretty generic sounding. But by the end, it's, you know, I've been singing it all day. Like, that's, that song is great. Because, you know, your heart is a muscle. Your heart is a muscle. Love's not a fragile thing. You've got to work at it. you gotta, gotta, you, you got to do what you got to do. You work it out. To, to work it out, yeah. And your heart is a muscle. Your heart is a muscle. But look, Carly can sell anything, which I think is a really good transition to the current Carly state of the union. <laughs> state of the Carly. State of the Carly. Because um, this summer. Because this summer. Carly Rae dropped. Uh, she blessed us with yet another summer defining song. Like a banger. Like it's it's inching up there for song of every summer for me. I'm worried that we might be using the word banger too much this episode. And I might, like the word banger. Suddenly, it's, there's no other way to describe it though. It's a banger. It's a banger. <laughs> and I I'm on record I think as saying that Justin Timberlake's uh, "Can't Stop the Feeling" is a song of every is summer. is a song of summer. Not the summer that was released. Just summer in it's general. A song of summer. Yeah. Uh, I stood by that for the past two years. Yeah. Uh, having heard this song now. Got a little competition. It's got a little competition. It's definitely the song of the summer 2017, the year of no fake friends. Yes. In the year of no fake friends, uh, this is the song of the summer, mm-hmm. the summer of no fake friends. Mm-hmm. And I think this song might have a better, uh, you know, be a better contender for the song of every summer mm-hmm. because it's not so closely tied to the movie DreamWorks Trolls. It is tied to... I'm not... <laughs> uh, it's tied to a movie called Leap, or that was called Ballerina. And now it's called Leap in America. It was a Canadian uh, uh, animated film. Oh, that makes more sense then. <laughs> uh, sorry, Canadian French film. Oh. Um, but it's called Ballerina. It was it was released in uh, France uh, last year in in Canada this this February, and it's like just now being released in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a few. Uh, Carly's my, in it. Carly's in it. She's yeah. the song is the theme song for yeah. uh, Leap, and she is in it playing the role of like the wise old mentor. Which you know, just based on the trailers we've watched, does to not, Elle Fanning, does not seem like the appropriate role for Carly Rae. No, uh, I want. I just want to point out that this 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 movie when it was released in Canada and France, 
uh, feature the vocal talents of one Dane DeHaan, mm-hmm. whom I have a personal uh, history with. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Uh, Dane, Dane, he beat up Morgan. He beat up Morgan. <laughs> Dane DeHaan was, uh, shot a college film at our friend high school. Friend of the podcast. When I was a friend of the podcast. I <laughs> meant Morgan, not Dane, but he could be a friend oh, too. Oh, yeah, Dane DeHaan, enemy of the podcast? Enemy of the podcast. I mean, uh, Morgan's a friend of the podcast, so I guess. Yeah. Have I told the story on here before? I'll tell it again. <laughs> they, he was in a he was in a college film that was being shot uh, on our at our high school, but my sophomore year of high school, and we were background actors in it. And uh, Morgan got chosen to be the character who was beaten up by Dane DeHaan <laughs> because there's a line in, the, in this script of this short film that where one of the character goes to the Dane DeHaan's character on your first day of school, find the nerdiest, wimpiest looking kid you can and beat him up. <laughs> And the director who was there on set, like, pointed out Morgan and said, you, you're the one. <laughs> but but in, in the uh, the shot before Morgan is spotted by Dane DeHaan's character, uh, a certain uh, suave uh, teen in a red flaming lips t-shirt shoulder checks Dane DeHaan and walks down to a locker. And I was that teen. You shoulder checked Dane DeHaan. I've, anyway, and leap. Na- <laughs> uh, leap. <laughs> and now he's... Uh, Dane DeHaan was one is the like romantic lead, the, the male romantic lead mm-hmm. in Leap, but he was uh, cut out of the American, American version. version and replaced with Matt Wolf uh, from the Naked Brothers Band. And I, I mean, he's he's got a fairly good movie resume at this point. Uh, he was the blind kid in Fault in Our Stars. No, he's been in a bunch of other stuff too. Dane DeHaan was was Harry Osborn. He was Harry Osborn, Kelsey. I'm sorry. The iconic role first originated by James Franco. I think this is not the place to have my Dane DeHaan discussion. Yeah. I have very strong feelings for my, my good friend Dane. I understand. I think he's been poorly cast a lot of times. Yeah. And now Wolf was in that new uh, Reese Witherspoon movie. Yeah, well. He was also in the other John Green movie. Dane DeHaan was, was in the Metallica concert <laughs> movie slash narrative movie. Wait, who did he play in that? He was Trip. Sure. This was, this was a movie... That was released in 2013. There was an IMAX concert film of Metallica, but also featured like a narrative interlude where Dane DeHaan was like walking through a war-torn city. We've 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 veered off track. Carly. My point being, Dane DeHaan is not known for his like like soothing and like comforting vocal ability. No, he's got a weird voice, and casting him in like a children's children's like animated movie, it probably scared kids. Is why they had to like (laughs) recast the role. Yeah, probably. But so I'm not sure how Carly got caught up in this. I guess there's like there's this thing where pop stars occasionally just are in animated movies because sure. it, I guess, fulfills some contract role and they don't have to actually appear in person, so it's easier to get done. Yeah. Pitbull was in an animated movie once. Really? It's called Epic. You've I never heard of it. I feel like I've heard of it. I think he played a frog. Sure, that sounds right. But the important part of Leap. Yes. The important part of the Leap. The thing that will live on long, long in- past Leap has been forgotten. Carly's involvement in it is the song. Cut to the feeling is the jam. Is the jam? Yeah, it's it's a really fucking good song, and it definitely is. It's I think the the longer it lasts into the into the fall this year has the competition for song of summer, in general. Unfortunately, I don't think it'll be eligible for uh, Oscar uh, best original song. Sad. I think it was released uh, last year mm. originally uh, in, in France. But it's very good. It's very good. It should win a, a honorary Oscar for uh, best song. Of the summer. Of any summer. Why well, don't the Oscars have a category for Song of the Summer? Do the VMAs have a category for Song of the Summer? Because that sounds like a thing that should have a category for Song I of the Summer. I think they do, but I, I feel like the Oscars would really legitimize the idea of Song of the Summer. Oh, yeah. I mean, because every summer does have a song. I'm worried there are now too many songs for one song to be the Song of the Summer. 
No. You're right. It's this one. Mm-hmm. And maybe and Can't he, Stop the Feeling by Justin Timberlake from the DreamWorks original movie Trolls. Yep. I want to talk about a thing I found out today that I'm angry about. Carly Rae Jepsen, Queen of My Heart, is opening for Katy Perry in 2018. What? 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 Carly Rae Jepsen is opening for someone. In 2018? In 2018. Year of theme undetermined? Year of theme undetermined. Oh, that is... Boy, I don't know who, if it's if it's Carly, if it's Katie, if it's the Lord Almighty, but someone has got it twisted. Someone has got it real fucking twisted. They need to flip-flop that shit post-haste. Swish, swish, bish. <laughs> yes, the person, who coined, the, the person who coined the phrase swish, swish, bish <laughs> is the headliner and Carly Rae, who's, who's held, held us down three summers now. Three summers. Four now. summers, actually. Four summers. Damn. Is going to open for her? For Katy Perry? For her? Her. Who went from like the coolest pop star in the world to like aggressively uncool mom <laughs> over the span of like one year? Not wrong. Um, It's not wrong. It's... Mm. I just, I just need to vent about that. I mean, no disrespect meant to Katy Perry. Or maybe some disrespect maybe meant. Maybe a little I bit. Don't know. I don't know. I also mean... just want... I want Carly to stay pure and away from pop feuds that we're forced to talk about. <laughs> I know. And it's, 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 it's troubling because the feud between Katie and, and Taylor originated during a tour. So I'm worried that Carly might get sucked into t- to Katie's tour drama. Oh, no. Carly's too good for that. Carly's way too good for that. I can't even imagine uh, Carly and, and Katy Perry, like, talking to each other. No. But I guess they must have, like, hung out at some point. Maybe. I can't see it. I would really love to go see Carly Rae Jepsen live, but I'm not going to go pay for a Katy Perry ticket to do it. Are you kidding me? I also don't want to be obligated to stay for a Katy Perry concert. No, I would leave. I, w- I mean, I wouldn't leave. I gotta, I gotta see what that's like. <laughs> I would have to see what that's like, Kelsey. <laughs> if someone, you know, if I got tickets for a Katy Perry concert, I would have to see what that's like. Yeah, that makes sense. I, w- I would need to. That's on, that's on brand for you. But I want to see Carly Rae. I want to see Carly Rae too. She needs to either, either get so big that she is headlining her own tour, or it's like she step- has headlined her own tours. Really? She did a tour for the Kiss album, and she did a tour for. Um, Emotion, the Gimme Love Tour. What What the heck? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No one even likes Katy Perry's new album. She co-headlined with some other people after her after um, Tug of War came out. Who did she co-headline with? Oh, that was after Tug of War? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, like, um, Mariana's Trench, The New Cities, and The Mission District, which I assume are all, like, BC-based bands. Oh, Mariana's Trench, uh, they did Pop 101, the theme song for my other podcast, oh, The 40 Ounce, nice. on which I discuss music with my friend Get Daniel. Uh, and Joshua Ramsey uh, also co-wrote, he, he's the lead of uh, Mariana's Trench, mm-hmm. he co-wrote Call Me Maybe. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Cool. So I got, yeah, so, so they're friends. Yeah. So I think, hopefully now, Katy Perry is, I don't want to say... I, dis- just, I just don't think she should be opening for anyone after Motion came out, but apparently she opened for someone called Headley. Oh. In 2016? Oh. What oh. the fuck is that? Who is... What? They're a pop pop rock band. Who are these? I've never heard of these people. Right? And, and, and she opened, opened for, for them, them after Emotion came like out. Like last year? Like last year. Well, I need I need Carly to, like, to be elevated to her proper status as the, on, the only person who... Um, the only person who is performing live. Yeah. 
she needs to be like mandatory viewing and like <laughs> holding concerts once every day for a full year or she needs to like step back a little bit and like you know have a, maybe play some smaller venues yeah. i mean you know do a residency somewhere carly please. we'll travel to see you I mean, and really uh, carly I, I know you're listening carly uh so <laughs> take this uh, to heart you can get your money by money. all means, get your money. Get your money. But I'd love to see you live someday. The thing is like... It's not going to happen if you're opening for Katy Perry, though. Carly, Carly, Carly appreciates a paycheck. She's like a fine British actor that way. <laughs> <laughs> She's a real Michael Caine type. Yeah. <laughs> it feels wrong that Carly Rae Jepsen is going to be incidental to anyone's concert experience. Right. Like the people are going to go see, oh, let's go see Katy Perry. And, oh, Carly Rae Jepsen's opening for, well, Okay. No, 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 no. Do you think this was intentional on the part of Katy Perry's management that they're like, wait, Katy's new album is not great. We got to sell some fucking tickets to this tour. We got to get a real artist. Who has the song of the summer? We got to get someone who's got, we got to get get the song. It's either Carly or that guy who sing Despacito. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sadly, uh, Justin Bieber is one of those guys. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. So but these people were like, can we book the song of the summer as a concept? Yeah. The closest we can get, Carly Rae Jepsen. Yeah. Carly Rae Jepsen is the human embodiment of the song of the summer. <laughs> now that we're entering this, this, this negative space, let's dip down for a second and get into the, you know, sort of the darker shadings okay. of what we're looking at here. Sounds good. What is your least favorite Carly Rae song? You know, I didn't think I had one. And then I was listening to... It's like picking a least favorite child. I was re-listening to everything that Carly's done in preparation for this podcast and also because that is a part of my life now. I came upon a song that I kind of liked, which I think is called Beautiful. And then in the second verse, there was this other voice that wasn't Carly. And it was Justin Bieber. And I was like, uh, no thanks. Because I don't mm. like Justin Bieber. <laughs> yeah, on, on 20, the 2012 album Kiss, Carly Rae Jepsen... Uh, has a song featuring Justin Bieber that sort of harkens back to her acoustic guitar style mm-hmm. and captures Justin Bieber at that most awkward, awkward of points when he was transitioning from young, like, teeny bopper star to extremely loathable adult pop star. Yeah. And Justin Bieber, his youthful voice is very sort of like, you know, the, the novelty of having a very young child sing these, like, modern-day R&B pop songs. Sort of covered for the fact that he was never really a very charismatic performer, but then as his uh basically as his voice you know dropped, uh his his weaknesses as a singer were exposed, and this is sort of in the midst of that happening, so you still got a little bit of that classic Justin we all knew for so many years. Also, Bucket is kind of a crappy song. <laughs> Bucket's a weak opener for your first album, Carly. Yeah, it's a it's a very confusing song. Yeah. Um, what about you? What is your least favorite Carly song? Oh, can we say one more thing about Beautiful? Sure. Uh, that the conceit of it is very much the same as the One Direction song. Which is better. The One Direction song is better. Yeah, but they're both lyrically abhorrent. <laughs> yes. I mean, actually, the One Direction one is, is more lyrically abhorrent. It's catchier, though. It's catchier. <laughs> um, and also, the uh, be- uh, Beautiful is one of the few, is one, again, one of those rare Carly Rae songs where she did not co-write it. In fact, it was, co- it was co-written by Justin Bieber himself. Fuck that. So adding to the, you know, the awkward nature of the song. Also, like, she's a lot older than him, right? And yeah. it's essentially like a love duet, and that bothers me. Well, Justin Bieber has a little chemistry that you would never think that he and Carly Rae were singing to each other. True. Like, it's impossible to imagine him, you know, on the other side of a romance with Carly Rae Jepsen. Gross. 
So, Kelsey. Yes. What is your favorite Carly Rae Jepsen song? See, this is really hard. Okay. If you had to pick one song to convert someone to Carly Rae, what would it be? It would probably be Cut to the Feeling at this point. Maybe Run Away With Me, which are like tied for my top two favorite. I would probably go with Run Away With Me. Yeah. If only because it's a little bit more, it immediately grabs you. Yeah. And so the sound I mean, that saxophone. Boy. That, that's good. That's got your attention right off the bat, right? Right off the bat. You haven't heard that in many songs, at least not in the past 30 years. Right. Like that's, a, that's an unusual sound and a yeah. striking way to begin an album and a song. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, that song is one of my favorite songs ever at this point. Yeah. I think it's it's got to be that one. It's a great song. I don't know if I can really answer this question properly, though, even, because it's mm-hmm. so, that song is, is stands out to me as like the this beautiful piece of music. It's so great. I mean, when we were, when I was listening to this, um, the song Tug of War really grew on me. It's the, probably the catchiest song from that album, I think. And I also believe that it is about a, a bisexual love interest, of, love interest of Carly's. Okay, explain this theory. Um, so the chorus, or the pre-chorus possibly, is um, don't go out with the boys tonight. I won't sleep a wink. Wondering what you're doing. Don't go out with the girls tonight. I will turn to drink. Wondering who you're screwing. And I feel like that is an equal opportunity jealousy. She, she's, she's not happy to see this person go out with anyone. Anybody. And this person clearly goes out with... Boys. And girls. And girls. <laughs> and who's to say whether this person is a boy or a girl? Who's to say? Who's to say? By default, every human being is bisexual. By default. Until proven otherwise. Until proven otherwise so, or self-identified otherwise. It's a... Uh, <laughs> It's just the way it is. It's the way it is. And I, know, I know it seems unfair to, you know, the, the, the poor heteros. The straights. The straights. but TM. You know, it's just the way it is, unfortunately. It's just the way it is. Just the way that uh, Sorry, God designed the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you don't believe that, uh, you're, you're wrong. <laughs> That's how we approach all, all popular media. In this podcast, at least. Yeah. You assume, assumed bisexuality. Yeah. Like, it's on TV tropes. You can go look it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Until someone has tells you a reason to, to to not believe it, you should believe that they are bisexual. Maybe not in real life. Now that I think about it, <laughs> maybe it's it's. But maybe maybe we'll just apply it to pop pop culture. Applying it to applying it to to media. Yeah. Especially like fictionalized media. Yeah. Makes those a lot, a lot of stuff go down a lot smoother. But yeah, I think like I can have one favorite Carly Jepsen song from like every album, like Tug of War from Tug of War, and then Carly maybe is a very special place in my heart as my introduction to Carly. And then, you know, Run Away With Me from Emotion. And then, I mean, Cut to the Feeling is just its own album. Essentially. Essentially. It's a, it's a whole album in three minutes. I will say I think my favorite song on... Uh, let me go through them like you did. On mm-hmm. Tug of War, my favorite song is probably Hotel Shampoos. Hotel Shampoos is a very, uh, you know, curious little song. It's got a little bit of banjo in it. Love it's, a banjo. it's one of the few times the album sort of sounds different. Yeah. Um, from Kiss, you know, Call Me Maybe, hard to argue with that one. Like I say right now, I'm really into both uh, Your Heart is a Muscle, which yep. I discussed previously. Yep. <laughs> uh, also, Hurt So Good. Yeah. Hurt So Good's a real, like, that's a good song. Mm-hmm. That's that's a, There's a lot of, like, really, like, smart rhymes in there. It takes, like, I didn't, like, that's, like, when I hear Hurt So Good, all I can think about is that awful John Cougar <laughs> Mellencamp Yeah, song. that's exactly what I was thinking right now. Yeah. But Hurt this, So Good. Ugh, ter- <laughs> terrible. I'm sorry. It's not your fault, Kelsey. Mm. You didn't write Hurt So Good. But Carly Rae's Hurt So Good is like catchy, upbeat, like got a lot of like just fun lyrical turns to it. Simple concept, but like 
a lot more than I was expecting from this album. And then um, emotion. Emotion. Oh, well, run away with me. Gotta yeah, be. Yeah, it's gotta if you, be. If you cut that one out, though, because you didn't treat it like its own album. Yeah. Probably Your Type. Your Type is my favorite song other than Run Away With Me. Like, it's nice. second favorite if I had to rank it. Um, although also Boy Problems. Boy Problems. Uh, you know, who's got them? Who's got them? I've gotten them, too. So, Kelsey. In so, con- Jason. So, Sorry. Kelsey. So, Jason. So, Kelsey, in conclusion, do you feel like your life has been ruined? In, in a good way. That's what the podcast is. Yeah. Yeah. It has. You've ruined my life with the gospel of Carly Rae Jepsen. And you've ruined my life, Kelsey, by doing a whole year of podcasts with me. Aw. That was kind of sweet. Yeah. I, I, can, I can be sweet, too. I'm glad we made it this far. I'm glad we're still going. We're still going strong. I love, I love doing it. I like talking to you. I like talking to you. Next week, tune in. Or not next week. <laughs> not next week. The following week, because we're a bi-weekly podcast. We're taking a week off. <laughs> um, join us again with uh, producer Sarah Shepard to discuss The Tenth Kingdom. Special thanks to Carly Rae Abowd of the Weeping Carlys. <laughs> we used their song, Carly's in the Rain, available on Band Carly. Um, I mean, special thanks to Carly Rose Sussman. <laughs> That's like her actual name. <laughs> um, for designing our logo. Um, you can find her work at www.carly-rose.com. Uh, if you have the time and the inclination, you can Carly rate us. And Carly review us on iTunes. Please do. Give us five out of five Carlys. <laughs> what if they were little Carly or Jepsen heads instead of stars? <laughs> How much better would that make life? Everyone would want to review and rate us five stars because they'd get five Carly or Jepsen heads smiling at you. Do that. So take just imagine those five stars are Carly or Jepsen heads. Close your eyes if you have to and click on the review. And open your eyes. Oh, no, you, you clicked one star because you weren't looking because you had your eyes closed. <laughs> no, you ruined us. You, the podcast is ruined. So signing off from Radio Land. AKA Jason's Living Room. Signing off from Earwolf Studios. Jason's Living Room. In Radiotopia. Jason's Living Room. From WBEZ Chicago. Jason's Living Room. I am in Brooklyn. Jason Edwards. I'm Kelsey Goldman. Happy, Happy Carly, Carly Days. <laughs> they wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up. Can't let them get to me. And even though I always fuck my life up, only I can mention me. They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up, can't let them get to me. And even though I always fuck my life up, only I can mention me. Only I can mention me. I can mention me. Um, okay. Kelsey? Yes? Say something. Something? <laughs> mm, that's it. Podcast canceled. Sorry. One, one, one shy of a full year. Sorry. I love you. I, I love, love you, you too. I'm sorry. It's I'm a- sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bringing it back around.